Well, if this is your first time here, uh, I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I missed last Sunday. Uh, it was tough being away, um, but we had our annual conference for pastors uh, with the Assemblies of God down in Orlando, so we were suffering in hot or weather, if you believe it, than what we have right here in Greenville. Um, but it's good to be back and uh, picking right back up in this series, Miracles. Uh, I know the ladies did a wonderful job telling you all about the announcements, but um, in your bulletin, this card's not for you, it's for somebody else, okay? Uh, so let me just tell you, we have uh, one big Sunday coming up, and it just so happens, it's not, you know, I heard Dina thank you for recognizing that it's a year, it just so happens to be our year anniversary, but it is, uh, we're excited that school starts next week, if you're a parent. <laughs> Tanya, I see you back there. I hear, I hear your cry. Students are wailing. Teachers are wailing. But if you're a parent, you're like, get these kids out of my house in somebody else's hands. Uh, but summer is over. School starting back. Falls here. And so what a great way to re-engage. Um, I, I was talking with uh, Chris Baker yesterday. I feel like our schedules have just not lined up this summer, and I hadn't seen him in six weeks. Uh, and he's like, Pastor, good to see you today. Uh, and so that's just what happens. Summertime, life happens, and everybody's travel schedules, vacations, and all that, it's all over the place. But hey, fall's here, and we get back in the routine of things. And so we know that there are people that maybe you haven't seen in a long time, or you've never brought them to church with you, and this is a great opportunity. So we're kicking off our At The Movie series. Um, and so, yes, we will be playing movie clips uh, within church context. And this is a great way for us to invite people. And so I'm going to ask you to do three things with me for this. Um, I'm asking you to pray about who. And then I'm going to ask you to invite them. And then come ready to celebrate on that Sunday. Okay, can you do that with me? Is it okay to have fun at church? Amen. Okay, good. For those of you on this side that didn't answer, I'm going to remember that when the party comes. And, uh, and so, anyways, we are in the middle of 21 days of prayer. Uh, and so if you have, have been participating, I have loved. Uh, I saw uh, Ray Chiardi this morning and I said, I missed talking to you yesterday. It's kind of weird because, uh, you know, there's, there's three of us that we get on a group call every day. Uh, three guys and we pray together. Uh, and I'll tell you, even as a pastor, it was a little uncomfortable. It was a little awkward. Like the first night, it's like, all right, who's going first, you know? Um, but how awesome it's been just to connect with other believers and pray that 21 days of prayer is not just for me. Uh, it's not just for you. It's for the church body. It's for what God is calling us to do. And so we carve out time two times a year. Uh, in January, we'll do another 21 days, and then in August, we do 21 days of prayer, and we just know there's a lot of need represented, um, and personal need, community need, and we want to be praying that God would begin to answer, and God would begin to move, uh, which is part of the reason we're talking about miracles this month. And so last week, Pastor Jimmy did an incredible job uh, just kind of talking about and opening this series and, and how we can trust God to bring life to empty and dead things. And we talked about the miracle of the water and the wine. And today we're going to pick up in that series. Now, here's the thing I, I love uh, about the miracles of Jesus. And I don't know how much you've read through the Gospels and done some study, but rarely do the miracles of Jesus look the same. 
And I think Pastor Jimmy talked about the, the blind man being healed with mud in his eyes and then the water and the wine. And, and we can see the miracle of him calling Lazarus out of the tomb. Uh, we can see all of these. Sometimes he, he was healing the sick from afar. Uh, you know, the, the ten lepers were healed differently than the blind and the lame. And so we see that everything as we study the miracles of Jesus, they, they, they don't look the same. And I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that in just a moment. And scripture, if you're reading through the New Testament, is full of miracles of Jesus. But here's the thing that I love about the miracles of Jesus is they didn't just stop when scripture ends. That Jesus still intends to do miracles today in and through our life. We believe that. And I don't know if you came here today looking for a miracle, if you've just received a miracle, or you're somewhere in between and you really don't know. I believe that today's message is still for you. And we have a theme verse that we're going to probably remind you a few times throughout this, this series the next few weeks. But it, it's found in Psalm 77, verse 14. It says this, You are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. Can we pray this morning? Father, we just thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that you are still working in and through us. We thank you that you have called us to follow you. You've created us with purpose. And so, God, I ask today, regardless of what we walked in here with carrying, whatever we're, we're struggling with right now, we give it to you. We ask that you would have your way in this service. Uh, speak to us, our hearts and our minds today. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I know... The reality is there are people in this room that are probably looking for a miracle this morning. You need something to happen. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a healing in your life. Maybe it's a family situation. Regardless of where it is in this spectrum, there are people in the room, which means there's space for a miracle in the room. I don't know how many people you've hung out with lately, but most of the people I interact with still have some space for Jesus to do something, and myself included in that. And I don't know if, if it's just me, but if I'm honest just for a, a, a second, I believe that God is still doing miracles. But have you ever paused to just wonder sometimes if he's still doing miracles, but is he willing to do a miracle in my life? Have you ever prayed for something so hard and you've just reached this moment of, God, I see you doing it for everybody else. But are you really willing to do it for me? Maybe I'm just the only one who's ever had that thought. I've seen miracles take place. I, I, I've witnessed, I've heard the stories and the testimonies around the world of what God has done. Yet if we're honest, many of us have probably had this thought. God, I know you can make this happen, but will you? Now our text today is going to be found where... Some of this conversation, some of these same thoughts are taking place in Scripture. And we're going to be in the book of Mark, starting in chapter 9. And just to give you a little bit of a setup here is the disciples are in a heated argument. They're debating with some pastors or some religious leaders at the time. And the debate is this. Does Jesus still do miracles? And if he does, why don't they all look the same? 
And so we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 9, verse 16. What are you arguing with them about? Jesus asked. Now we know that he probably already knew exactly what they were arguing about. But he wanted to hear their response. Verse 17, a a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. And if your children act like that, it's okay, all right? I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. See, up to this point, this would would prove that the disciples were a part of the miracle process. And probably up until this point, they had a pretty good batting average. They were pretty successful. They prayed for people, the miracle happened. But this is the first time in Scripture that we see a, a, a believer that's unbelieving. A believer that's unbelieving. And so all of a sudden this this dad is saying, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This dad is beginning to wrestle with this. Hey, they've done it before. Why isn't it happening to me? And Jesus responds so graciously. You unbelieving generation, he replied, how long shall I stay with you and how long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, I don't know if Jesus was just being nice here or if he was just like, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments that you're just like, I'm done playing games. I kind of read this with Jesus. Jesus is flexing a little bit right here. Like, how long am I going to stay with you? No, 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 no. More than that. How long am I going to put up with you? Just bring him here. I'll do it myself. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. See, he knew that Jesus could do it. But he's asking the question, are you going to? Jesus responds, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. But how do we overcome our unbelief? Church, I believe that this is a real issue that we face, a a real thing that happens, not just in an immature believer, but in a mature believer, that we can find ourselves being an unbelieving believer. But God intends for us to live differently. Anything is possible for one who believes. So how do we overcome? How do we find the miracle in our belief? And number one in your notes today is we have to identify causes of doubt in your life. 
identify causes or expose causes of doubt in your life because doubt is nothing more than the enemy's attack upon our life to keep us from what Jesus, from what God has intended for us to experience and inherit. So in this passage, we actually see a few things that cause doubt then and can cause doubt today. And the first, and, and, and these are just some subpoints, so you can kind of jot them on the paper, whatever. Number one is we believe like those we surround ourselves with. We believe like those around us. See, I believe the faith level of the people that we surround ourselves with will make a huge difference, good or bad, in our life. Faith is infectious. I have an option. Am I going to surround myself with faith people or am I going to surround myself with negative people? If I'm believing for a miracle, I don't want to surround myself with people who are doubting that the miracle will ever come. I don't want to surround myself with people that are infusing doubt into my life because there's enough doubt that we live in every single day. See, I like to say this uh, to our team that I don't believe in problems. I just believe in solutions. But negative people have a problem for every solution. Think about that. Maybe that's you today. And you just need to hear this first sub point. Stop being negative. Anything is possible for those who believe, and that needs to carry out throughout the rest of our life, that we should stop being negative, that that means that all things are possible for God. So we can trust, and we got to stop looking at all the negative and start embracing the positive. See, Mark 9, 19, this is why this kind of describes that he wasn't alone in his unbelief because Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. He doesn't just single the dad out here. He, he talks about the generation being unbelieving. It's not just the dad. It's the culture. It's the society that he was living in. And unfortunately, we live in a similar society today. There are more people that we will interact with in our life that would tell us that Jesus can't do it than people in our life that would tell us Jesus can and he will. Why do we push small groups constantly? Not just because we want to find freedom in small groups, but we believe that infusing our life with positive, faith-filled, life-giving people helps change us. It helps transform us. It helps us to find freedom from our yesterdays. Because we believe like those around us. 2 Corinthians six fourteen and 15 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? I don't just think that this is people who claim to be Christian and who don't. I think this is even speaking to those who are full of faith and those who doubt constantly. I don't want to connect myself with somebody who's dug their heels in and just says, well, I don't believe that this can happen. I want to be charging with people that says, I believe it can happen. Even if it doesn't happen, I'm still going to believe and I'm still running in the direction that God has called us to go because it doesn't matter what he says yes or no to. I'm just going to pursue him because I trust God. I believe. The second thing I I think that causes doubt that we see in this scripture is we've tried things that didn't work. We're trying to copy and paste how somebody else got their miracle, but that may not be how God intends to complete his miracle in us. 
Notice in Scripture, Jesus very rarely repeated the same exercise to see the miracle take place. It all looked different. So why are we trying to copy somebody else's miracle for our own life? See, he says in in verse 17 and 18, I brought you my son who is possessed by spirit whenever it seizes him. I asked your disciples uh, in verse 18, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. See, this dad had seen the disciples drive out spirits, complete miracles and healings. So he says, I just want to do what everybody else is doing. But maybe that's not the answer. Maybe you've read all the books everybody told you to read. Maybe you followed all the ten steps that everybody else told you to follow. And you're still not seeing your miracle. And here's what happens when we're following other people's instruction rather than living in a place of trust and belief. It creates doubt within us. All those self-help books, all those steps to your miracle. If we're not following what God has intended for our life, we're creating more doubt. Even beyond Jesus and his miracles, look through scripture. How, how infrequently did, did God really do the same thing twice? How many times did he light a bush on fire and speak to somebody? How many times did he swallow somebody with a whale or a big fish or whatever and, and spit them out? How many times were arcs built? And yet we want God to do the same thing he's done in somebody else's life the same way for ours? It just creates doubt. We have to begin to identify that and expose that and say, God, I know that this may not look like the miracle I've written it out to be, but I'm trusting that you are writing, you are bringing the miracle, you will bring the miracle to my life, and I'm going to trust you. See, immediately... We find in verse 24, and this is our our, our third area of belief. The dad says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And this third one is that we believe, sort of. We believe, sort of. That's probably where a lot of us find ourselves. I believe God can do the miracle. Sort of. God, I'm kind of waiting on you. It's that awkward Space where it's the unbelieving belief. But all this does is it brings instability. It begins to wage war within our mind because we are balancing between doubt and belief. And we struggle. James 1, 6 through 8, we quoted this scripture a few weeks ago in our baggage series. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. That's probably not like, you know, you have maybe a chalkboard in your house, or you write scripture on the mirror. This is probably not one of those. That you're just like, oh, this makes me feel good. That the person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord if they doubt. Why? Because many of us struggle with doubt. But how can we experience the miracles that God intends for our life if we cannot identify and expose the doubt that has taken root and taken seed in our life? But here's how we fix that. We have to develop a faith that honors God, point two. Develop a faith that honors God. Well, pastor, what does God-honoring faith look like? What what does that look like? I, I have faith, I believe. 
It believes when it doesn't see. Matthew 9, 28. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to see him. And he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. They could not see, but they believed. Sometimes there are going to be seasons and things in our life that we are not going to be able to see what God is doing, but we still have to have trust and belief and faith that he can do it. The second thing that helps us develop a faith that honors God is be persistent when nothing changes. Be persistent when nothing changes. Some point in our life we, we lose this persistence. When it comes to our faith, we have it in every other area of our life because we develop it as a child. And if you don't remember what it's like to have persistent children, I'll let you hang out with mine a few times. (laughs) Cohen always wants to go to the mall because there's this four-letter word store, Lego, uh, that is there. And, And he just constantly, I mean, it is every day. Dad, can we go to the mall? Dad, can we go to the mall? I'm thinking, I thought I could wait till you were like a teenager to do this, you know? You're four, almost five. Persistence. And you know what? It doesn't matter how many Legos that kid has. He's still going to be persistent for more. Yet somehow, when we just don't see our miracle in our time, or we haven't received what we've been praying for, or we don't, we don't see the end in sight, we back up instead of pushing in. But I believe if we're going to have a faith that honors God, it's going to be a faith that continues to press in. We have to become persistent. We have to say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to keep pushing until I see this through. Not in my way, but in your way. But I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to show up on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. when we're having 21 days of prayer. I'm going to register. I'm going to, who cares if you registered your group? Call somebody and pray with them this week. I'm going to do something different because I'm going to keep pushing because if I have this miracle I need, I'm going to keep pressing until I see something happen. And then I'm going to keep pressing even more. Colossians 4.2, be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God, even when things aren't changing. This dad had been searching for a miracle since this boy was a small child. Jesus asked him, he said, how long has the boy been like this? Since he was a child, yet the dad didn't stop. I don't care how desperate the situation, how difficult uh, of a circumstance you may be looking at. Don't stop. And then it works when it doesn't make sense. A God-honoring faith, it works When it doesn't make sense. People won't understand why you're holding on. James 2.22. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. So you may be praying for a financial miracle. But what are you doing about it? Crickets. Silence. You may be praying for that financial miracle and then all of a sudden when Financial Peace University rolls around and it's in our small groups, you don't think that you can do something about it. Finding some support with other people to say, God, I need a miracle in my finances. 
Well, maybe God's just waiting for you to take a step to do something about it. It's working when it may not make sense to anybody else because you're looking at how do I pay the bills and how do I do this? I don't have time to talk about my finances with somebody else. I would tell you, you don't have time not to talk to somebody about your finances if you're in the mess. You're looking for a miracle in your, in your marriage, but you haven't done anything about it. You haven't talked to anybody. You haven't set up a, a, a counseling appointment with one of the pastors on our staff. You haven't looked for, Pastor, is there any small groups that focus on marriage? Yes, there are multiple small groups every session. They run almost all year round that are focusing on your marriage. See, you're asking for a miracle, but you haven't done anything about it. If we're going to have a God-honoring faith, there's got to be some action behind our belief. Faith is made complete in action. As I was prepping for this story, I, I, or this message, I was reminded of a story that's near and dear to my heart because it's family. And it's my sister, Selena, and her husband, Derek. And some of you may have know this story. You may know them personally, but... They struggled for years uh, with infertility. And um, it's hard to talk about some tough things when you're, when you're looking for miracles because you never want to isolate people. You never want people to, you, to feel like, well, pastor just ripped open a wound today. But I want to share just for a, a few moments. And Zach, you and the team can come on because we're going to land the plane this morning. But Selena and Derek had struggled with infertility. They had sought specialists. They had gone to doctors. Um, they had even taken medication. It failed. They had gone through in vitro. Failed. And I remember all the while, like, we were starting to have kids. My sister Heather's having kids. And you just know that this becomes a complicated place because you want to be happy for family. You want to celebrate. But then it's tough because you know that Somebody in your family is struggling and they're looking for a miracle. They're looking for something that the world has said is hopeless. They tried everything. And it was during this season of infertility that I remember um, as we got the news that a distant cousin had passed away suddenly and tragically. And she had an 8-year-old daughter left behind and an 11-year-old daughter left behind. And so I remember it was through some... I think it was my aunt called my mom and just said, hey, I know Celine and Derek have been trying to have kids. Would they, would they be open to adoption? Um, and so I remember talking to my sister during this time. Sorry, it's, I wasn't pre prepared to be emotional this morning. But I remember a phone call with my sister, Selena, because anytime you're adopting kids, it's difficult because you're, both my sisters were adopted when we were kids. And I remember that transition process and I was little, but you just go through bumps in the road because you're, you're taking baggage from one family, you're bringing it in, but when God's at the center, miracles take place. And I remember just being brother to my sister and her and Derek had been praying about taking the girls in and they fell to peace. And I just said, Selena, are you sure this is like the right decision? And I remember her words to me and she said, we've been praying for kids. 
am I to determine their ages? And that's a great story. It'd be awesome if that's where it ended because you see these two girls who had experienced the death of their mother and sudden and tragic and now they've got a home. But see, here's the great thing about God is he's never done writing our story until we breathe our last breath. See, 10 months later, my sister was in a car accident and I remember her going to the hospital going to the ER they start running all these tests and they come back and they say the baby's fine see she was already several months pregnant into her second trimester no medication no in vitro just believe it was the hand of God see that doesn't make sense yeah we can give God honor for that and it brings back happy emotions these aren't sad tears oh my gosh she's got three kids now what's she gonna do they're all my nieces all three of them Completely unique and different. And every bit of that story is a miracle. Sierra and Alana aren't on the outside of the miracle, they're a part of it. Because you know what? They need a miracle in their family. Sometimes our faith doesn't make sense to this world. Sometimes the things we, we need to do that God will ask us to do won't make sense to those around us. But if we want to have a God-honoring faith, if we want to see the miracles that we've been praying for and asking for and searching for, sometimes it means we got to have an action that we haven't been doing yet. There's got to be some, some, some steps in the right direction. It was my sister and brother-in-law just saying, God, who are we to, to say it's got to be a baby for you to answer this prayer? And in that, God gave them the desires of their heart. And I believe that God intends to do the same for us. It may look different. I'm not saying if you've been struggling with infertility, go adopt some kids and get in a car wreck. And it may not look the same. Please don't walk out of here. But whatever God is calling you to do, say yes. Because maybe God's just waiting for you to trust him a little more. See, our third point this morning is this, is that remember faith believes God can, but trust him even if he doesn't. See, church, it's not just about believing and knowing, hey, our miracle's going to come how we want it. Sometimes it's trusting him that, God, if I don't get the miracle the way I prayed for it, I am still trusting you that you are at work, you have a purpose and a plan for my life, and I'm going to trust you even when I struggle with doubt. Even though I may have walked into church today an unbelieving believer, I'm still going to lean in and I'm going to trust See, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You may not see it in your lifetime. You may not see it in your immediate future, but it may be delayed. But I believe that God is still working. And I know that there are some people in this room that need a miracle today. And so here's as we close.
this is what every Sunday we always ask this question. But if you walked in here today, and I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. You say, Pastor, I, I can't even wrestle with these things because I've not stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it's been, I've wandered away, but it's time to reconnect and recommit my life. Would you just slip your hand up? just want to pray with you today. I see that hand. Thank you. see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? You'd say, Pastor, I just need to make that decision today. Can we just repeat this simple prayer? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my mistakes. Help me to love you. Help me to love others. In Jesus' name.